Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm delighted to say I'm here with Arno Colliery uh, from Bordeaux right now. Joining us from Bordeaux, uh, Arno is an entrepreneur, a speaker, uh, and a coach. And uh, I suppose a creative tour de force, which I'm sure we'll get into, active in, in so many different areas. So, Arno, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Glad to be here. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, one of the things I know about you is you're the, the world's first chief happiness officer. <laughs> so is, is that where it started? Where, where did you first get into this idea of happiness in the workplace and, and, uh, and thriving at, at work? Right. So I was at the time, 2013, I was based in South Africa and I was an entrepreneur in residence in a, one of the best tech accelerator of Africa. Fascinating. Oh, wow. time. And they hired me because I was known to be a community, communicative guy and, and to help entrepreneurs to tell their stories on stage. That's why they hired me. I was based in LA at the time. And uh, I went there and I found out that my real talent lie into uh, bringing, bringing the ecosystem together, so bring the VC venture capitalist uh, ecosystem together. So I will bring them, ask questions, what an entrepreneur needs, how you can get funding for a company. My talent lies into that. My talent lie into um, helping people when they need it with their soul needs, right? So. People needed to cry, they would come to me. People needed a laugh, they come to me. And I'm like, I'm actually, there's a, I'm not just a creative guy. I'm a, I, I know I had this need to be a coach, this desire for years. But for some reason, I had pushed away the coach because I always thought, you know, coaching is not something prestigious. Like a coach is just helping people. It's, I probably had a problem myself with value attached to a, to, uh, to coaching, right? I, uh, I grew up in a very intellectual family. And so, you know, anything that was not intellectual was probably not interesting. So, and I push away, push away. And then I'm like, well, actually, you know, I have to, I have to be a coach and this is what I'm doing. I'm a coach in the business world. And that's what, and somehow I came across a newspaper article on chief happiness officer that had so the first chief happiness officer was not me. It was in the year 2000s, a few guys in LA, Silicon Valley, uh, happened to create the job to be a buffer between the management and engineers and VC, right? Engineers okay. still nowadays, very difficult to explain, to, um, to, to, to come across with their emotions. And they needed, you know, the emotion to be okay with the manager and manager to explain that to venture capitalists. So the, 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 the work of chief happiness officer were created in the year 2000s. And then it sort of disappeared with the first internet crisis. And I read, so I came across this article, I don't know, somehow. And I'm like, oh my God, this is what I've, this is who I am. I need to sort of resuscitate, right? To bring it back this, uh, and we were a few guys actually, in the same time doing that, there was a guy in Japan, a guy in Denmark, me, and the same time, without knowing each other, we sort of uh, uh, put that, uh, that chief happiness officer function back into force. Uh, so I stayed in Af South Africa six months, came back in June, uh, June 2013. And so I had this idea, should I do, should I not do? 
had this internal conflict with me. You know, I had already been an actor, movie producer. I was involved now with tech guys. I'm like, and and uh, and then uh, tell you the truth, I went to a tribe in Ecuador, Christmas 2013, and um, uh, in the tribe, many things happened, and one experience led me to understood. Okay, my talent lies into helping and entertaining people. And chief happiness officer is a mixed, right? I've always loved entertainment stage, but I've always loved helping, you know, people to, to be their best self. So, so in the tribe in Ecuador, in the middle of nothing at night, like I need to do that. I need, I need to go back to New York. We had moved to New York, my wife at the time, and we're going to do that. So January, 2014, I'm like, uh, and basically I opened my company April, 2014. And I remember I went to the first networking event it was uh, for venture for america venture for america i don't know if you've heard of this no. fantastic organization in america created by uh david yang the guy who ran for democrats presidential democrat in the uh, us yeah uh, and yeah right to run for mayor you know he was behind the universal income thing that's right i remember him yeah fantastic yeah guy. brilliant um and anyway i was one of his uh um judge for the fantastic organization he created venture for america you know uh sponsored by people like uh the guy from zappos you know the, oh yeah um, the happiness guy right who died yeah. recently. anyway so i went to this event and i remember i didn't know he died recently oh god yeah yeah, yeah read, read tony heish guy yeah, yeah. fascinating oh. guy i met him just read why he died crazy story i won't go into that now a whole story in, it, in itself but anyway um I remember saying to people during this networking event, big finance guy from New York and, you know, important people, I'm going to be a chief happiness officer. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And I remember writing an email to my 1000 email list uh, around the world. This is what I'm going to do now because, you know, I believe in the power of being, uh, you know, accountable. And you tell people before you actually move into something. So you accountable, you have to, there's no choice. You burn, you burn your bridge, or you burn your, you burn your 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 boats like the the Viking, right? When they would invade a country, they would they would burn some boat, so they have nothing to fall on. Yeah. And I've done that many times. So I start from scratch, no matter what people say. I have a new direction, and I go for it. So I burn my boat, meaning everything I've done before doesn't matter. I told all my friends, and everyone. Felt I was crazy. It took me six months to find the first client. Six months, and then and then I went on. So basically, as what I did as a chief happiness officer is, how can I bring more joy? And how can I bring more purpose to any organization, any teams? So I did four things. Basically, I start creating a curriculum for chief happiness officer, and I train hundreds of them in France in. The, I would go back to France to do that in New York, where I'm based in Latin America, in the Middle East. Uh, second, I would start making speeches. So I did hundreds of conferences on what is it. And then I create an event um, uh, called Stand Up for Passion around the world, where people will tell the story of transformation inside of organization, right? right. So they feel better. And I would bring, we, we might touch on this, like, how vulnerability is so important in the workplace, even though 
even though 70% of managers, whether it's in France, whether it's in US, uh, are still not vulnerable. And it's okay. But the new generation is understanding that. They all want that. I don't know so much the UK market, but I know in France and I know US, uh, they're not all open to that. It's okay. In five years, 100% will be have to be vulnerable. For the very first time a few months ago, I've been asked to, uh, to coach uh, CEOs on empathy, how to develop Why? empathy. Can you believe yeah. private coaching? People who, who have not, not, no sensitivity. And I, was, I thought that was a joke. But actually now organizations want to develop empathy for some of them within their ranks. So chief happiness officer, more joy, more purpose. And we can go into details. Yeah. You know, what, why, why, how it's done. And so I still believe it's, uh, even though now they call it employee engagement officer, chief of purpose, chief of vibes. No matter what name you give, but you need to bring back humanity, you know, to the companies. Um, otherwise, they die. Otherwise, they will die in the long term, right? Yeah. I know Elon Musk might disagree with me, and I would love to do a two hours conversation with him. Such a brilliant guy. Uh, I love him as an innovator and tech guy. I'm fond of the guy. But of course, I, I dislike the way he treats his employees. Mm. You know, no one's perfect. Uh, and and I, I still think we need humanity if we can bring it, right? If there is a way to just go inside, and then there's many ways. Basically, one of the first thing is to find a positive influencer within the company. Yeah. At any rank, there is positive influencer. People will believe in that thing. Even in the boards, in the executive committee, yeah. you will find one in, 10 one in 10 people actually interested in personal growth. In building, yeah. you just have to find those mercenaries. And sometimes I think of myself as a as a happiness mercenary. I mean, I would go anywhere in the world, but people ask me to 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 do that, right? If there would be a way to go to North Korea and do a gig, I would do it. <laughs> right. I would I would do it because yeah. I know gig will bring the seeds. And what you need to do is to bring the seeds to start the conversation with yourself. This yeah. is the goal. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so tell me, so it took you six months to get your first client yeah. and they, they hire you. And what, you know, what's that situation like? What are some of the first steps you take in, in that role so, as chief happiness there? So the first take, uh, the first, uh, of course, the first thing is to do an audit, right? Survey okay. how people feel, what they like, what they don't like, truly anonymous about their manager, about the teammate, to understand the ecosystem, to have a, a sort of the systemy. Right, the ecology, the human ecology of the company, to have as many, if you can, you know, one-to-one -one meetings short, 15, 20 minutes meeting with as many managers as you can. And after that, you know, after a few days of that, you can do a, a team building, right? And okay. what I do with team buildings is you get everyone around, you get the, the head first, because if the CEO is not on board, it's never going to go down, right? Yeah. And for me, uh, the team building can last between one to three days. Very intense. Aye. Very intense. Nine hours a day. Uh, you start at 8.39. You finish at 5. You have a light meals. Uh, the sort of a process. And I use the same tools over and over. Gratitude, right? Yeah. You can go into depth. What is real gratitude? 
purpose, what is your purpose, why you are in this company, and share it. And basically, yeah. if it's your purpose, I say it frankly, people should get out of the company. If they don't mm. see the alignment where their heart is, why the soul basically needs to be in this company, probably not going to work. And I speak like this now. I'm very transparent. And before any CEOs, before they hire me, I tell them, after my speech, after my team buildings, some people might leave the company. And it's okay. It's better for them, for the company, for the world. But those that would stay, I guarantee you, they'll be 200% more engaged. And that's what you want. Yeah. You want the people that need, that want to leave the company, but they're not courageous enough to leave the company. And you want whoever remains to be at the top and fully engaged. I mean, right now, you know, you know, it's terrible, right? The pre-COVID, we said 20% of people are super engaged. Yeah. Now, the numbers are five, six percent. You know, it's gone down. Okay. Five, six percent. Those who are super engaged, not engaged, engaged. Yeah. Roughly 20% of people do their work, mm. conscientious, conscientious, like that, what they do, good guy, good girl. But 5% of people are super engaged. Like, just yeah. do the extra mile. It's nothing, right? So you need, if you don't want to achieve happiness or prefer or uh, uh, a specialist of employee engagement or purpose, have someone. I, that's what I did during the, the COVID. So I'm based in Bordeaux, and there is a, a big, uh, a, a big firm here called La Cité du Vin, which is sort of the wine, the, the biggest wine museum of the world. Fascinating! It's a, right. it was a it was an eighty million dollar project. So you can imagine how big is the museum and treaties, hundred employees. And I was friend with the director, and I'm like, you know, COVID happens now. If you want to keep your your employee as as good as possible, I get. I can propose you to be a coach in residence. You know, I had less international keynotes, obviously, right? Less clients around the world. So I'm like, you know, I have a bit more time. I'm based in Bordeaux. What I would do, and I think every company in the world should do that, I will be your coach in residence um, half day a week for only 20 minute session for employee to just I'm here as an active listener. I just listen and listen to what they need. And I might give them a direction or perspective. That's all I do. They love the idea. We did the experiment for six months. And, you know, it, it saved some of the employees, of course, who were going yeah. nuts like any company would have done any in the world. Mm. Any company would need that. Just We need a, what we call in French a soupape. We need a... Uh, um, you know, uh, a reason, a space to, yeah, brief to be yourself, to allow, to be seen, right? Most yeah. employees, number one problem of employee, they are not seen by their mm. manager, yeah. right? They're not heard, and everyone is a human being. Even though some CEO I talk to that they don't get it, I'm like, yeah, everyone need to be seen. Only five percent right now of employees just going to work, be like a machine, 5%. So yeah. 90% of people, they want to be heard. Yes, yes, he asks you more times. Yeah, you need to be spend more money. And right now, I know we're in a budget freeze, budget cut. I was talking to a big company yesterday. 
They want to bring me. They have budget freeze. I'm like, okay, fine. You don't want to spend money like me? Fine. But my role is as important as a CFO, as a lawyer. You don't want to bring me the money? Pay me when you can. But I'm not yeah. going to discount my price. This is my yeah. price and this, you have to pay me. Because people sometimes don't value our work, right? They, they, they think of us as a, I don't know, as a, as a priest and we should not pay us, right? We just do good. No, no, no. As work, as value, as much as a lawyer or the CFO, we bring the energy together. We bring what the Indians, in a, in a, the native Indians in America call the Olanda. Like Olanda. Keep the fear inside. Right. I don't know right. if you read the book. And I, no. And I've never very, come across that word. Olanda. But there's a great book that talks in, into details about this by Steve Kotler, an American consultant from Silicon Valley. And it's called Stealing the Fire. Right. The only thing you have to do, I think, as a human being, as a manager, is to keep the fire alive into everyone, in yourself. Right. Yeah. What gives you energy, right? And we're all different, all of us. So what gives you energy? You need to keep that space alone. Uh, and, and in your employee, and everyone is different. Some need to be more challenges. Some, some need more flexibility. Um, you know, uh, right now I was talking to a company the other day. It's a, it's a French company, Ubisoft, a really good uh, company. Yeah, actually. I've heard of them. You heard of 20,000 employees, and they just decided to give, uh, on the top of vacation, right, 20 days a year to each 20,000 employee in the, in the world where they can work from anywhere in the world, right? Total flexibility, and they choose. I love it. They can go to Bali and work. Yeah. Need to be, you know, it's so cool, right? Yeah, yeah, and absolutely going to stay in Ubisoft just because of that, right? You need to know what, and especially it's a video game company, you know, bunch of nerds and geeks. And just, but it, they also need that time off or to at least see the light and not just a dark room, right? So what your company, what your company culture needs. If, again, once every company is different. That's why there's no one. Uh, I wrote two books on the subject. In French, unfortunately, I need to translate them. Um, I've been back in France for three years, 20 years around the world. Uh, not sure I'm going to stay too long. I admit the dynamism of uh, uh, Anglo-Saxon culture, to be true. I really miss it. So not sure I'm going to stay too long, but uh, um, that's, that's a different thing. But you need to understand your energy, your culture, right? We call it, I don't... Uh, yeah, I don't believe in the a, in a rules for culture transformation. So first, the only thing there is principle. Audit, then you need to do a team building. You need to gather people around emotion. Please don't do sports. I love sports. I do sports every single day for me, right? If yeah. a day without sports is not, I can't, I can't mentally survive. But it's not what you do anymore in a team building. A sports is not enough to to bring people together. You need to have them share emotions on who they are. This is what I yeah. fundamentally yeah. believe. I'm, I'm convinced. I don't have too many beliefs in my lives, but it's one of the beliefs I have. Right? You need, in order to engage you, you need to have them to share their sort of life purpose, life secret. And I've worked with you know people at Google, at BMW, at... Uh, Vinci at Chanel. It worked 100% of the time. 
So people say, oh, should I bring a coach that's going to talk about emotion and life purpose? Yes, it's going to work 100%. Just take one day. Don't, don't bring a coach for two hours. You think it's going to work. I mean, I do keynotes, one hour, not the same. I bring seeds in people, right? Seeds. But then if I want to transform a culture, yeah, you need to hire a coach for a few weeks and you need to do an audit and you need to do a team building. And then you need to do session for the people that need the most. Not long session, 20 minutes. And it's not a therapy. It's just being there for people. And then you need to work on the value of the company. Are the value you see on the wall the same as the value people live day to day? Are they the same? And if not the same values, because usually it's the entrepreneur, the founder of the company who created them 10, 20, 50 years ago, of course they change, especially in a post-COVID world, right? Which yeah. It's just, we can talk about the change. I mean, I spent three hours yesterday with a, a future of workplace, uh, future of work specialist, and we have the same vision on the world. Fascinating. And it's just, it's just such a different world, right? And and uh, for me, which I guess I consider myself as a Chip Conley mentioned, a, a modern elder. You know Chip oh. Conley? No, uh, no, no. You have to read all about Chip Conley, C-O-N-L-E-Y. Chip Conley, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, based on the work you do, you're going to love what he has to say. And maybe you can interview as, as well on yeah. the podcast. And... Uh, you know, there's the, the people after 45, 50 who are just old. And there are those who are, you know, young, old. And I, and, and I hope, and I, I guess that's what I've, I've been told anyway, that I'm a very young, old now, right? For the, for yes. the, for the young people, at least. And, uh, and basically, those who are just old, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna be out of date in like three, four years. And they're going to be fired. From all companies, they're going to be fired. They're going to be, they might be the top guy, top girl. If they don't want to show their vulnerability, their sensibility to bring engagement back to the company, you know, except the outliers, like, you know, some guys are, you know, if you own Twitter and you, you own Tesla and you own uh, SpaceX, you, you might not be fired by anyone and, uh, and it's fine. But if you're not the owner of the company, you're going to get fired. And and I bet you anything, even maybe I should write to Elon Musk to that. Even a guy like Elon Musk is gonna bring it someone like me because he understands that's what people want. Right. Maybe yeah. I haven't tweet to him. I haven't been tweet. I haven't gone to Twitter in six months. But maybe I should go back to Twitter just to tweet him and, and see see if I get uh, some some lead that way. But um, yeah. But bye. But back to these team buildings that you do, I'm fascinated. So, so you said gratitude is important, purpose is important. Uh, are there any other elements that you bring to those? Yeah, it, I mean, workers. You know, so storytelling. The storytelling is part of the purpose, and the only one I bring sometimes, not always, is transparency. Right. So, one mistake seems to do organization. It, they, they like couples do, or like any entity, basically, they put the problems away. When the truth is you have to talk about what doesn't work. You know, no one works perfectly. I mean, I have a wife. It's not all perfect. It's not all roses, right? 
So you need at some point to talk, right? You need to have a hard conversation. The best way to have a hard conversation uh, in an entity is to bring humor, comedy. So the way I bring transparency uh, when it doesn't work is you bring with camera. So I, I, what I do is I create, you know, I, I used to be a stand-up comedian. At some point, right? I spent five years as a stand-up comic. And what I do is I, 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 I make them create a little scenario, little screenplays on comedy, on, on problems of the actual company right now. So we decide together. I have a process to, to understand what are the real prime now. Okay, be transparent. What doesn't work? And and other ways to so liberate and like we talk about it. And I'm like, and now let's have fun with it. So we make basically some sort of stand-up comedy about all the prime. People laugh. And everyone yeah. is born creative. Everyone, I'm telling you. Everyone because of uh, school, because of parents, because of society, thinks they are just boring people, right? Basically. And no, everyone is a creative. They just die down to creativity, right? Yeah. And for me, I didn't grow up with a perfect childhood. My childhood was actually tough, but I left at 16 years old. And thanks God I left, right? Thanks God. I don't know what would have happened to me if I didn't leave home with what happened at home. And and I understood at some point in my life, oh yeah, there's I need to use humor and comedy. So what I do is you bring comedy, tweeting of what uh what doesn't work in the company what is that the and again each company has a has a different hurdles and uh and and i can imagine some people listening to that they might sound quite daunting but you you said you had a particular way that yeah that you were able to get people to engage in that it's it works because once there is you know there's a word a lot of, there's a few good french words i mean like bienveillance i love this french word which is basically, it doesn't happen much in the French companies, strange enough. You know, it might have happened 100 years ago. Now, after three years in France, not, unfortunately, it's not there. So, bienveillance means uh, uh, taking care of people and creating a, 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 an incubator of well being, right? Okay. Uh, so, if you create that, everyone feels at ease. Because, you know, remember, everyone wants to belong something higher to them of themselves. Everyone, right? You all want, I mean, all, 90% of people, right? So every time I work with a company, I'll say, I'm going to work on 90%. Bring everyone, please. Don't force them to come to a team building. First of all, don't force anyone. Tell them it's a, it's a day during the week, not the weekends. If you don't want, you stay at home. Right. Gonna give you a distinction of who gives a fuck about your company, basically first. So it's a good thing, right? And then, yeah. uh, um, and then once once you have the people, you just have to understand ten percent, even those who come, because then so ten percent of people actually absolutely don't care about emotion, life purpose, those things. Ten percent of people, any any countries. I work in 30 countries, from Pakistan, Dubai, Ecuador, you name it, right? 10% of people actually don't care about emotions. Don't care. Yeah. And they just go in the company, once they paycheck, and they have fun with their friends and family on weekends. They're just here for the money. 
Yeah. And it's fine. I don't, I'm not here to judge them. I cannot transform them. Don't yeah. ask me to work with someone like that. I cannot change him. It's, mm. it's in, it doesn't, and, and, uh, of course you find more of those people in finance, right? Yeah. And this is why I left finance early. My first two years were in finance. I have a master degree in finance. And, 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 uh, sometime I'm invited in, uh, especially FinTech event. I was at this big FinTech event in Colombia. There is my talk somewhere. And, and, and I say, the real currency is not money, it's purpose. Purpose is the new currency. You can Google my talk somewhere. Um, and, but I know, of course, I, you know, maybe 30% of finance people, I cut totally from their emotion, 30%. Yeah. Right? So I said, you know, I'm so happy to be invited in this conference and I'm doing it because I'm paid and I'm love to do to, 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 to uh, transmit my energy. But I know some of you will absolutely don't like what I have to say. So please, basically, I, I don't say get the fuck out, but I say, please feel free to leave now and not listen to me. Please, I wait two minutes. You're not going to like me. I'm too crazy, too passionate, too emotional. You, you don't believe in this. If you don't believe in humanity, please leave the room. I will not be offended. I'd rather speak to people who like what I have to say. I'm going to yeah. speak to everyone, but of course, I'm, I'm highly sensitive. I do this job, but I'm still highly sensitive. So I want, I'd like to have good energy from the room. My job is going to be more difficult if I have, you know, opposite energy. I'll work with it. I'll work with it and I work through it. But it's so I did that. A few people get out and I was super happy. I said, yeah. thank you so much, guys. And so it, there is in some industry, of course, in some top CEOs, obviously, and I understand, you know, I I was part of a, a fellowship in New York, great fellowship, and uh, it's called Startup Leadership Program. It's a fellowship on a tech entrepreneur and okay. a still movement. They are around the world and UK as well. Um, I think they're in UK as well. And I le we learned the psychology of being an entrepreneur. And basically, if you want to have a huge company, like, you know, over 500 employees at least, you, you cannot develop. It's very hard if you have a really high empathy for people. So mm -hmm. you're going to have to know. And same thing, if you have a high creativity, I learned very young when I was 24, 25, 26, I don't remember. In my 20s, I worked for six months only in, before I get fired into a recruiting company. And I learned one good thing. Basically, I'm too creative of a guy to be a top CEO of a company. Yeah. I will never be a top CEO. I'm too creative. I have too many ideas. It's impossible, right? If you have too much empathy for people and too much creative idea, you cannot be a CEO. A CEO, you have to just take decision and just cut yourself from emotion. Uh, and I'm like, okay, so at least I erased that when I was 24, 25. Okay, I'll never be a top CEO. It's impossible. It goes against who I am. I can still create a company, you know, maybe up to probably 200 people, but still going to be, you know, that's why I never had a team over 50 people to manage in my life, right? Actually, I think, yeah, probably... And I would have to have a really good COO next to me. So, it, so you, it's very hard, right? And I understand they have decision to make. I mean, if you 
sensitive? How are you going to manage thousands of people? You can't. It's going to be very difficult for you. So you need to, to have a guy like me next to you. You need a, an, an operation guy, but you need a human guy. Whatever you call it, right? I come part-time and I just install. You don't have the time for it. So I understand doing the fellowship. I understand during my time as a recruiter that I was, I was too creative to be a top CEO one day. And I understand my time at the startup leadership uh, program that in my way of dealing with employee now, uh, I would just have to be aware of where I am, right? I cannot be, I cannot be what I am not. So, and one, you know, it goes back to 20% of people don't know who they are. Can you believe 20%, uh, sorry, only 20% of people know who they are, know who they are, like really know their strengths and weaknesses. 80% of people, including managers, don't know what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses. You can't go against your weaknesses, only work your strength. Your weaknesses, you have to be aware, I'll never be an accountant tomorrow. Never. Mm. You'll have to kill me first, right? It's impossible. So, you know, um, we have, we have a, a very good word in French, it's called déployer. Déployer, c'est force. To deploy. How to deploy your strength, right? Um, that's it. You need to take your strength, how you can make them better without creating too much tumult, uh, too much. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, but maybe I'm, 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 I'm going sidetracked now too. Yeah, no, no, but I, I, I'm, yeah, this all, all makes a huge amount of sense. I mean, one thought that came to mind as you were speaking there, I, I think you're right in the very large organizations as they tend to be run today. It's difficult to be a CEO and have that empathy and sensitivity, and you probably need at some level to sort of cut off from emotion in order to make the sheer volume of decisions you've got to make in a day, let's say. But I suppose my question to you would be for those organizations who've, who've developed very high levels of autonomy, and actually the CEO doesn't do a lot, there isn't really a hierarchy they're now in charge of, they don't do a lot of decision making. I, it seems to me that if you're in that style of organization, you can retain your empathy yeah. and sensitivity no, no. as CEO. Totally. I mean, one uh, comes, uh, a name that comes to mind is Abdullah Elias, Saudi uh, born, raised in Germany, co-founder of Kareem, the number one startup of the Middle East in Dubai. They sold a company for like $3 billion a few wow. years ago. And I was, I was lucky enough to be their leadership coach for a few years uh, before they get sold, uh, became very friend with the guy. The guy is superhuman. And, but they had one, 3,000 employees, uh, extremely human. But before the remote things was uh, fashion, their employee could be remote. And now it's a 100% remote company. Wow. Super successful, 3,000 people. No obligation to be at the office. Wow. Absolutely. So those guys were able to, to create the number one startup in the not in the world in the Middle East, uh, be very successful yet be very human. So I've met some of those guys. I mean, I've met um, exceptional, rare. Yeah, yeah. Um, but coming back to this 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 role of transforming organization, the chief happiness officer. So you're you're doing these workshops. You it's, it's about gratitude, purpose, transparency. How how do you then have a sustainable impact on the culture after that event? What are the kind of practices that you advocate for companies to, to take through the, the organization? 
So first is to create a team of positive, again, what I said in the beginning, but positive influencer means so once the manager get the, the messages, you need to find who are those guys and women in the company able to carry out that message. So you need to create your mercenaries, right, in the company that no matter what, they're going to be there, their, their mission, their purpose on the top of their work, right? So they, they you know, they want, they, they agree to spend two, three hours a week on that, right? And they can be, there is some finance guy who I found in, really passionate by uh, humanity too. So even though I said 30%, like, it could be anyone. It could be secretary, it could be the CFO, it could be the CEO, you name it. You have no idea. Until you really find you have those conversations. So you need to create those people. Um, and and uh, actually, the term positive influencer doesn't even come from me. It doesn't come, come from the one of the company I worked with called Novo Nordisk. I don't know if you know that. Oh, yeah, I've had, yeah. Really good company in terms of, uh, it seems, anyway, I worked with them a few times. As a, as a, I only work with them as a keynote speaker on storytelling how to create stories for your story. And, um, and the, so I don't know, they're like I don't know, 30, 40,000 people around the world. They, but they seem to have, at least in the European Novo Nordisk offices, they've created the positive influencer. I was, you know, explaining the way it works. And this, oh, this is how we call our guys. I'm like, oh, I love it. This is, this is what... I, I I never knew a term to to really express what I was putting into places. This is the term. So this is what they do, right? They they look for out their methodology, which I love. For them, it's to find anonymously who are the people that that you know that that that, that give well being to others. Who are those people? So they send survey, and people they report they report names, and then they get a lot of names, and they start with that. So okay. they gather, they make, uh, you know, sort of meetings of the minds of those. I mean, I did because they actually forget me for one of their annual gathering of the 100 positive influencers. Interesting. And right. My, they bring them together coach, for a gathering. Yeah. Right. And my work was to coach them on how to be even a better one. Right. How to use storytelling in my case. That's what they hired me that day. Um, so, uh so yeah, so you need to create your team and then you create, you go back on your values. You need to create a chart, right? So, you know, a, a very light chart, not, not too much constraint, right? But basically what, again, what they value, what you can, what you cannot do in the company, but as it should not be, it should not be like a, you know, one time I saw a work of a company and they give me a 30 page rules for the company. It's like, oh, so exhausting you know i can imagine on onboarding day the employees to read that too much so you need to have a, a light one i don't know how many pages as light as possible the do and don'ts in terms of values rules of the company which the psychological uh, safety rules basically of the company mm. right i don't know if you've studied if you worked you came across in your work of the the google study called psychological safety yeah we had amy edmondson on the show yeah she developed it's the idea really yeah all about this so basically it's this it's just how to create a culture of respect compassion of listening between the between the employee between the management the management employee and 
And and once you get that, you still need to gather. You need to have annual gatherings, so semi-annual gathering where you where you update people on on what else they can do, right? And you, it's like everything else. Like it's like I have a coach, right? Even if you know the good things, I still go and see someone else, as every coach should have a coach, yeah. to remind me of what I tell to people. Remind me of what I do is important in day to day practice. Um, yeah, basically keep going, right? So you need to have someone updating you. And one of the reasons company hire me often just come down to renewing passion and purpose. How to renew passion and purpose. Everyone leave, uh, lose it. I had the chance to work over and over with UN, the UN. Yeah. Many parts of the world. And every time, same thing. Uh, you know, those guys, they came for mission, with mission purpose. They were 23, 25 years old. But sometime at the director level, when they're 45, 50, they're like, uh, am I still the right thing? How am I doing? Uh, now there's red tape. Um, yeah, just re remind them you came for a good reason. You can stay for a good reason. Everything is good. It's a bit more complex now. You're the director level. You just remind yourself why you're here. Just like an artist, right? An artist needs to remind himself why he's in front of the blank page. Should he stop to be a writer because today no idea is coming? No. This is his life work, life mission. I, I am in front of the white page. It's okay. I'm staying two hours in front of the white page. It's okay, right? A writer yeah. who cannot stay in front of a white page is not a writer anymore. Yeah. No writer has a continuous idea, uh, things he wants to tell the world. Sometimes it's empty. Okay? It's empty. I stay in front of the page. And then I go live my life. Because maybe I have nothing to say. Because I have not like a full life. You need to go back in life. You know, it's just like a coach who has not done enough work on himself, or has not, or something as a stand-up comedian, right? When a stand-up comedian has not has not lived enough, like a, it's the prime of many successful stand-up comedian. They've been on the road, and the only thing they they talk about is being on the road. Eh, not so funny anymore. You yeah. Know, okay. Don't be on the road. Don't uh, fill out stadium for a while, and go and live a life. Yeah. A normal life. But then you'll be funny anymore. Again, you'll see the shitty things happen. Not just shitty things happen on tour. The same story over and over. Uh, everyone needs to go back to, uh, to to yeah. What does it mean to be alive? What fulfills me? Whether it's an organization, whether it's a, it's an artist, or whether it's a it's a coach, because basically the, the 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 basically three main people I worked with are mostly I'm hired by a CEO, LN, LND manager, right, learning and development, or coaches to be how to be a better coach. Or I still work with artists, and because I used to be an artist myself, and I still like to consider myself as an artist. Uh, so I understand where they're coming from, right? So I can work with them because I've been in their shoes and I'm still in their shoes, right? In those, I'm an engineer, I'm a coach. And when I speak, it's still, it's still an artistic thing, right? Some keynote speaker lose the something, they lose the passion to speak. Why I'm speaking, why I'm a, well, 
remind yourself why you become a keynote speaker in the first place. You want to put seeds in people's mind. This is why you're here. You want to start the conversation with them. You're not a coach. When you're a speaker, you're not a coach, right? Because you, you can't transform, most likely. You just speak for an hour. Really hard to transform. But you can put seeds. This is the only reason yeah. you're a good speaker. And you can keep doing so. If you lose that, you need to, to go back to why you're doing what you do, right? The, the, the yeah. Ivan Senek thing, you need to go back to basis, right? The, the basis. Yeah. So it seems like you're creating this space for people to introspect, to come back into their souls, to figure out why it is they're here, what, what's going to make them passionate. What, yeah. So these fundamental questions and just giving people the space for that. It's so interesting when I used to be for six months a coach in residence, right? For that company, yeah, that the Cité du Vin in Bordeaux, right? The big wine, biggest wine museum of the world. Thirty uh, percent when I found, I coached one hundred employees. Thirty percent of the people I coached during that six months period, which were not my usual usual people I coach, right? Which is usually a CEO type of people that come to me. Those guys were anywhere from uh, stagiaires, interns, secretaries to the CEO. 30% of people, when I say, give yourself some space where you have nothing to do, not your spouse, you're not your kids, not tasks to do, 30% of people find their creativity. 31, yeah. 30, huge. Oh, I start doing music again. Oh, I'm starting to write. I start to do culture. Yes, we were all born to creative. Even people who have never been creative. When you go That's and remarkable, creative, yeah. And creativity is as the base of anything. If you don't find your, your creative source, which is the life force, really, your life force, life force is creativity. You don't need to be a full-time artist. You do not need to quit your job and be a full-time artist. You need to find creativity. Even if it's 10 minutes, 10 minutes singing uh, in the morning, in your shower, before you work, thinking of a CEO I used to work, and it's like, oh, and now it feels better. It's nothing, 10 minutes. He doesn't, probably doesn't know how to sing. He'll never be a singer. Makes him feel good. Yeah. You need to find where is the creativity in your work? where I can deploy it. So I can just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a full-fledged, let's say, human being. Yeah. I mean, you need to be a, you know, you need to encompass everything you are about. You cannot abnegate. You, you cannot forbid part of yourself. You cannot deny who you are. Again, against, unless, you are part of that 10% of people, right? Well, don't care about emotion, creativity. It's just some people are just born as a machine. I don't know if the DNA, the way they were born, 90% of us need emotion, need creativity. So how you can bring it back to your life? Do you, do you find a way to bring creativity in your work? Do you, are you, uh, are, you, are you developing an artistic, artistic uh, labor of some sort on the side of your job? You know, like what you do. It's yeah. An artistic yeah. 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 This podcast is a way of me, you know, 
it, yeah, thing. having having a creative expression, right? But this sounds to me back to but Oranda, right? That this this keeping the fires burning, right? That's the word. That this word that word really seems to 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 uh, yeah. Oh, to, it's, it's what to the, bring forth what you're talking about. Right, it's what the you know the Japanese. I spent four years in Japan. They call it the key. That's why the Chinese. I spent eighteen months in China. They call it the chi. Right, this energy is just. In French, we call it la substantifique moelle. Every culture, I don't know. I, I would. Is there an ex? I'm sure there's one expression. Yeah. In your, well, that's <laughs> yeah, the English, right? They must be there. It doesn't surprise me that it's not coming quickly to my mind. Right, because there must be, and I love to learn what the uh, in every culture they have one thing, right? I mean, they, or every culture have an expression to get it out. I don't know which one is in is, is in the UK, but I spent a month in Tanzania doing a humanitarian work uh, 12 years ago. And that's how I started my story coaching right. career. Uh, and they had an expression, Kwamimi Agapa. I think it's Kwamimi Agapa, which means, what is it you're afraid of? Right. I loved it. Loved it. it just, what is it you're afraid of when someone is, you know, I don't, just really just very in a very calmly way? What is it you're really afraid of? Right? Because we're all afraid of something. I mean, you know, most people spend their life being recognized. Their goal is to be recognized to people that don't really matter to them. <laughs> That's it's, true. It's, it's, so, it's so crazy, right? They spend their life doing the work by people that don't really matter to them. When people that matter to them, they would rather be super happy. I think they're a creative force, but they are sort of ashamed of whatever they are. And, and I'm talking about, you know, it can be someone born in an artistic family. His passion is numbers and he wants to be a finance guy, but his family were artistic. Anything, he has to be a writer, or an actor or sculpture. No, it needs to be a numbers guy. And it's fine. This is where he finds this thing, right? So it, it, whatever path we need to find, you know, like some of my friends, like a CEO type, and, and they think, I don't know why I'm, you know, I'm obsessed with, a, is it bad? Is I'm obsessed with money? Or, and usually it comes down, some, it's just money, but many times it's just deal making. I'm like, no, you're just really good in deal making. That makes you extremely happy. You just, that gives you some, you know, the dopamine, everyone talk about the serotonin. That gives you that. Deal makers, keep doing deal maker. But you don't, you don't need to be an ass to people, but just, this is your strength. You're a deal maker. It's a great thing. I mean, I'd love to be a better deal maker in my own life. All right. I'm okay, I think, as a deal maker, but I'm not the best. It's yeah. not my strength. So you you just uh, this is where you get your your gist, your but that thing that keep you. That's why those guys we think you know how do they make tens of millions of dollars after tens of but they love that the deal making that moment where everything comes to force and they get the signature after a month two months two years work, you know to get a hundred million dollar project, and. You know, I for me, I'm fascinated by those guys. They are, they are. That's their thing. Yeah, and and, it, and it's a great thing to have. That's, yeah, that's, 
That's their thing. So what is your thing, right? Put it down and be okay. You know, be okay with it. This is your strength. Yeah. This is yeah. The, the goal, just to find what gives you energy because we, we keep talking about burnout now. They say 50% of employees are in burnout, right? And I'm sure UK is not the, no different than France or US. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm, I'm mostly reading on what's happening in, in, in France, US, somewhat the Middle East, somewhat Latin America, Japan. But I follow less the, the UK market, although I hope to be in London for the, uh, the, the, the beat show. It's called it's, uh, the biggest show in education technology. Happens oh, okay. to be in London in uh, 30 and 30 and 31st of March. The best in the world, I think. One of the best. I, I really hope I can go to London for that one. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm sure they're the same, right? 50% of the people are burnout. And burnout usually comes from people being very conscious, conscientious, waiting for the recognition of people that don't come, right? There's two particularities we find with people burnout. One, they are conscientious type. They do what they've been told and they do it well. But they don't get the recognition they want. And some, right. sometimes there's a third trait. And that's when it goes off track, really. It's when what they're conscientious about is actually has nothing. They're doing a work they were not supposed to do in their life. It's not their substantific moral, their Orlando, the chi, the key. So then, yeah, all together, working like crazy for something which is not you, for people that don't recognize you, yes, you burn out. You need to quit your job now before it's too late and you die. So, yeah, quit out now. You don't care what people are going to say. You don't care what your family are going to say. And you don't care what your spouse is going to say. It's your life. It's your survival. Yeah. I always say, or think of um, your gas tank when you're in the car. When it goes to red, right? Just when it goes to red, this is when you need to stop and slow down. Not when you run out of gas and you're middle of the highway and then you know, you, you're fucked. Basically, you, you, you might have an accident. No, do it before. Do it before, right? Just when he goes to the red, you know, you still have 40 kilometers to go, baby. 50 kilometers. Don't do those 50 kilometers on a... I have to, I have to find a... Uh, I, I still have 50 kilometers to find a, a gas station. No, no. Find the first gas station. Go. And same thing with your life. Stop now slow down uh and i'm talking to you know everyone i'm i'm including myself right so i understood a few years ago right just when i when i became a coach of course i i had done a lot of work on myself but i did much more right and I, if i i'm going to coach people i need to really get a good grasp of who i am so i am a highly sensitive but i'm also high sensation seeker i love yeah. adrenaline and the mixed can be, it's a great cocktail, but it's also could be dangerous, which means someone like me, I need to have a lot of a interesting meeting, interesting experience. But then I, I, I feel every single thing I do, right? My emotion on the top. So I need them to slow down, right? And, and then, okay, like someone who's just highly sensual, highly high sensation guy, 
it can just go on and on. If it's not highly sensitive, yeah. uh, then it can just keep going, keep going. Emo- uh, adventure after adventure, crazy thing after, I cannot, I need to take a break. Or if I have like four exciting meetings during the day, I cannot have five. It will be too much on my mind. I'm highly stimulated. Then it's too much. Yeah. Right. Then I need to stop. Uh, so it's always going down to what is work with yourself. That's why I probably could not be the top CEO of the world. Right. It's, I mean, I was uh, reading about Carlos Ghosn, you know, the Lebanese guy he used uh, to be yeah. head of Renault who escaped from Japan, right? Escape. To yeah. 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 That's, yeah. And I, I love Japan, but I really want, I know that the Japanese want him out. Right. I think it's, you know, the, the guy, he was a brain, right? I mean, he was a super brain. And I'd love to speak to him one day to understand his brain. And he, say, he said, I mean, the guy was, you know, at his work from 6 a.m. to like, I don't know, 10 p.m. And he said, you have, you need such a stamina from going from like high-stake meeting to high-stake meeting nonstop in a day. I, I would not be able to do that. I would need a break. I mean, I could do for a month, maybe, uh, Max. I could not do for a year. I would need a break. This is why I'm lucky enough to have chosen the career I have, but I've also chosen the career I have as a coach, entrepreneur, speaker, where when I really need a break, well, I'll take a break. I take a day yeah. totally off. The phone is off. I tell my client, I tell my wife, I need to go to a spiritual place, meditation, vegetables, no coffee, no alcohol. Just down i do absolutely nothing and it's yeah. because i've done work on who i am you know it's basis who are you how do you find your energy how do you find your drive yeah and that's a so much more uh in line way of looking at burnout right it's not the number of hours that you're doing is it not even necessarily like aspects of your lifestyle it's am i connected to my purpose do i know myself right yeah, am I getting recognition for what I'm doing? Now, those are those are far more important questions than how many hours am I working, right? Yes, it's yeah, quality hours. I mean, same thing with your kids, right? Um, I have a f- almost five years old kid. You know, now I actually I was too much. Uh, I was just, I mean, I was until a few months ago. I was playing because I'm an older dad, right? I was I got a kid after uh, after I turned forty. So, of course, I don't have the energy of a 20-year-old guy, a dad. But I would play with him until exhaustion. Like, I need to be the best dad I can. Until, like, I would, I, mean, I, would, just, I would fall asleep before him. I'd be like, Kaden, his name is Kaden. I have nothing. Okay. I'm dead. I just have nothing. And now I'm telling, now I put limits. I say, Kaden, I have no energy today. Like, I'm going to play with you 20 minutes. I'll put the timer. I still want to play. I owe you, I, I think I owe him that every day to play with him. I It's my, you know, benchmark. I know him, I owe him 40 minutes a day. This is my benchmark. I owe him 40 minutes to play. And on weekends, of course, much more. But at least if I do my 40 hours and I've done my of quality time, but if I've not, the day was too stressful, if I didn't do my workout, the, the the quality of time I spend with him won't, won't be as good. Then it doesn't doesn't matter what what I give him, right? It's better he's even 
almost watching a video next to his dad than than be his dad half there. No, if I'm with Kaden, I have to be fully present. I, I, I want him to remember, you know, hopefully his age, you know, with his dad and 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 and, and, and you know something I didn't I didn't necessarily have in my life. So I want him to have those experience. Quality, same thing with your employee, with everyone around you. you yeah, you need to, so that even though when I work in team buildings, for instance, I told them, you know, it's all about the teamwork, about the teamwork. Yet, guys, please, I've talked about how to be in a team, but if you need times alone, tell your colleagues, you don't need to eat with your colleagues every day. Tell them, oh, but I do, that's what I do. No, tell them I need this week to be all by myself. Mentally, it's just tough right now. I got a lot of things and it's okay. Just tell them, call me, and if they don't get it, they don't get it. Deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. You need your yeah. own space. So yeah. It's not about just being a team, a team, a team. No, no. You also need your time off, uh, even though you are with a team. Or ask your team. And that's why I love those like Monday morning stand-up kickoff where everyone talk about how they feel, why they feel. And, and, and the manager don't need to be a therapist. <laughs> Don't even need to be a coach. You just listen to the guys, and the guys say, "I feel really good." Give him more work. He wants to be challenged, and the guys say, "Yeah, just yeah, it's okay, it's okay, okay, just be a bit more compassionate this week to him, to her." Yeah. Just give him, you know, we go through cycle. I understand. Then it takes so much more work for managers. But the, we are in an era where with the quiet quitting, the great resignation, anyway, they're going to leave. So don't, yeah, don't give them that. You'll see, you'll see in six months. When you have it, the young generation, right? The 20, 22 years old, they're like, you know, it's going to be really hard to, to, to keep them around, right? If you don't give them, they're only going to go with bosses, manager, who are respective of their leadership qualities. Their, their, their fundamental needs, the needs of their soul, basically. Yeah. Those that respect it, well, they're not going to stay long. I mean, it's, it's fascinating what's happening. Yeah. 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 I, 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 it reminds me of that guy, the, the, which is the, he, he's the, like the head of one of the big uh, retail chains in the US, lamenting that there are, like there are no go-getters, right? Right. He he couldn't build his business today, um, because there's Peter, no go-getters. Could it? Could it? Was Peter, it? Yeah, been. Peter um, co-founder yeah. of Singularity. No, 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 not him. No, no, he was. It was. I mean, he may have also been saying that, but the, the, this guy. It was. It was it Walgreens or you know something like that. Anyway, one of the big retail chains, and like he couldn't build it up as it, because he did. They were just wanted people like that. Is it that there are no go-getters, or that that people are much more aware now of their intrinsic motivations? They're much more in tune with what they really want to do with their lives and where they want to go. And maybe yeah. your big corporation isn't going to meet those needs anymore. It's, it's, I think they're much more in tune. I think there's the same yeah. numbers of go-getters, uh, absolutely ambitious as before. I mean, I, I. Uh, in Bordeaux, where I'm based, all the business school wanted me to do a, an intervention in the school. And I had talked with all the directors, and most directors have been at the job for 20 years. And they've seen the motivation of students. 
So they all tell me the same thing. It's about 8%. They told me it's funny. Five, between 5 and 10%, and many of them told me 8% of students ultra-motivated, and they know they're going to be superstar when they leave the school. They're, they're going to be superstar, right? Not because of the grades, just because all the grades, all their personality or something about them, they just, they want it. They, they want life. They want it. And they say, but the rest right now, it seems, so the rest just don't get, just, they are not there, right? They're like zombies. But may, most of them, because they are thinking, I think my, my guess, my take, they really figure out their life maybe a bit too soon because they haven't worked yet. So I, I think, you know, I think it's good to have a couple of years experience, but anyway, they all want to figure it out now. I think it's a bit too soon, but this is the world we live in. So they're all trying to figure out now what's, you know, where am I, you know, what's my purpose? How can I serve the goal builder? It doesn't mean they are better than us, you know, or, or, or what. They just, they really want, and they want, they don't want to lose time. That's why they work less in company. That's why they do less effort. Yes, they work less because they, they don't believe they should work an hour for a company that don't respect their needs and help them to go where they want to go. It's so crazy. It's so crazy yeah, to but, us. But, 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 but I think we can really lean into this in, in, in business culture. And a great example is you talk, you mentioned Super Engaged earlier. Well, we had the author of a the book called Super Engaged, um, okay. Nikki Gatandu. She's the what well, was the MD of uh, a marketing firm here in the UK called Propellernet, based on the South Coast. And their intake interview is a dream. It's a it's a dream consultation, right? And this is like not what you're dreaming at night. Is what are the dreams for your life? Like whatever it is, you're not just like in business, but in your life. And then the part of the purpose of the company is to ensure your dreams are fulfilled. And they've done things like done a joint venture with a safari firm in Namibia okay. to realize the dreams of one of the employees to go to, to go on safari. Not only did they fulfill on that, they had them work for an entire year in a safari in Namibia because they became like the marketing arm of this safari company in order to fill this one employee's dream like that's the level they'll take it another guy wanted to like write a play so the whole company came together to put on a show at a fest the edinburgh festival in scotland and this is now a touring show around festivals of the uk <laughs> to make this one employee's what? dreams of being a scriptwriter come oh reality i'm re i'm writing it down so uh the book was called super engaged and the name of it, the person is what uh nikki gattenby she's now left but she, uh, and the company is called Propellernet. Um, uh, how do you spell this? So like a propeller on the end of a boat, a uh, propeller, and then net. Okay. Propellernet. Uh, Fascinating and, a lot. Yeah, and that's the level I think that, that, see, that's how you solve the problem of no go-getters, right? Everybody wants something they want to get after. It's just, is your company set up to have them be a go-getter? <laughs> In your company, right? I think that's uh, the question. And now people it. might, yeah, people might say, "Oh, well, they're a marketing firm; they can do that. They're a creative agency." But my my assertion is that you can create some form of that in any business. Fascinating. Uh, uh, yeah, it's the, the best uh, uh, yeah job interview I've heard. Uh, first job interview technique I've heard so far.
Yeah. Yes. And then that's just more more in tune. They they want to find out. I mean, the, my uh, interns. My last year I had an intern for communication, um, and she came extremely shy. She wanted to work with me because I had a name in personal growth, and and I don't care where the school from. I was just interviewing them on their potential. She did a Skype with me, very shy, like twenty years, nineteen years old, twenty years old. And she came to see the first meeting with her mom. And I'm like, oh my God, you uh, have a mom for a job. But, you know, I, I decided to give her a shot. So she helped. She did good for one year, but she learned all my techniques seeing me on stage. And now she launched herself after one year. She was like really shy girl from a local small village in France, just reading on personal growth, never just reading about it. She, she seeked me out, you know. Uh, I want to work with you, and then now she's launching herself as a, after one year as a speaker and wow. keynote speaker, as a, as a keynote speaker and coach. She's doing good. She's doing good as a speaker and, and a coach and a keynote speaker. She's got clients in a three months client keynotes. Uh, incredible! Wow. So yeah. everyone, yeah, yeah, it just. And I understood, of course, that every, so, you know, they, they came and, and, and helped me in my company. We launched a personal growth platform called Humanava. We do master classes yeah. on personal growth, on emotional intelligence, on diversity and inclusion and stuff like this. Um, so it's a, it's a tech startup, right? We base, base out of a, of a Bordeaux. So I was, for the last two years, I was, you know, my sort of, I was doing much less coaching, much less keynote speaking right but i'm back on the circuit for the last few months because i miss too much keynote speaking and even coaching i decide to have one client a month so i'm taking just one CEO a month a few hours just so i, I can keep a, a way on the ground and even kids keynoting i do two keynotes a month and i'm good i, I satisfy my need for right so yeah. uh uh yeah what i need is just uh so again so why you attract people, right? So I attract, even though it was, it's a, it's a ed tech startup, I didn't attract the best, you know, I guess, business mind or, or engineer. But I attract, of course, the people that all wanted, uh, many of them wanted to become, unconsciously, they wanted to become a coach and speaker. Because that's okay. why I, I am, in, I, that's why I incarnate, that's what I embrace, that's why I embody, right? So... Now I think for, to do the hiring for more business people, actually I'm gonna have my CEO hiring the most, the more uh, very business person, right? So I have less people that just want to be like me on, or at least what they think I am, right? Yep. But they just they just want to help the firm, just not be like 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 part of me is outside, right? So it's fascinating, but that was their their her unconscious dream, right? Yeah, and really understand. Yeah, the unconscious, unconscious dream. You know, uh, you know. But of course, if I backtrack, would I still hire her? Yeah, I would still have hire her because that's the way she learned and she became good in communicating. But for her, that was just a tool. She communicate on on what I did. You know, helped me with journalists, so she learned everything I was doing. A part of that. And that's how she found a, a life mission, right? Yeah. So you, 
you you need to surround that like what she did she did the best thing she surround herself with i don't say one of the best person in the field but with someone who's doing who's very active in the field of personal growth right so you know someone said if you want to um, if you want a, a flower to grow you don't you don't try to change the flower you put her the flower into an environment where she can blossom yes right so a fertile environment where there is enough sun, enough humidity, which can boom, right? A vineyards, vineyards are in the sun region of the world. They cannot grow everywhere. Where the, 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 the growing, where the slope, where the amount of sun, the amount of rain, sort of mixed, right? Of course, with everything technology, I'm sure now we'll, we'll have vineyards everywhere in March, maybe with technology if we want. But for now, if we want to use natural things well you 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 know or someone else said uh you you cannot uh uh what is it you if if you want to hire someone to go on the top of the trees very fast you 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 know you don't you don't hire a dog you hire a squirrel someone who naturally won't even if he's a baby squirrel very soon he's going to learn naturally to go to the top of the tree this is the people you need to find to hire. Don't go against the grain, right? Go with their natural talent and 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 um, nurture them, right? Yeah. Nurture, just like you, you need to nurture yourself. You need to nurture others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a, a lot of sense. And I love that. I've not heard that metaphor before of, uh, yeah, the squirrel versus the dog. Yeah. I like that. This is... Stupid, right? A really stupid example, but yet so see so many people they don't try to use a squirrel to do a squirrel job. Why? I mean, do someone just incline? He doesn't have done the best goal. He or she doesn't have went to the best school, the best resume. Just is inclined, is naturally this is where his strength part is. Um and 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 keep him around, keep her around if and if you don't if he does his job correctly, I'm also thinking in terms of entity. I was working with this firm once and one girl was not, you know, she was not maybe not as good as everyone else in the team for this very high performance team. Uh, I don't know if she was as not as smart, as, but she was the cheerleader of the group. And she kept the group together. She was the group. I'm like, kept her around. It, they need her. If they yeah. don't have her, the rest of the group, they're going to leave. They don't know they need her. She's the one because she has a laugh and she makes people comfortable. You need to keep her around. It could have been a girl. It could have been a guy. Uh, but it's just, you need, everyone's got this, their, their, their mission, their raison d'être. In French, we call it, right? Yeah. Reason to be, reason of being. And it can change also. Some people make a mistake. Oh, it's just... Purpose. No, purpose can change also. But right now, I, I just did a, a talk on authenticity um, um, in the Middle East uh, months ago. Uh, and, I, and I talked about how, why, and I changed so many times career. Because my purpose changed. And so many people are afraid of change because they say, oh, I'm gonna, it's not me. I'm going to be inauthentic. No. You're authentic if you choose to believe to follow your purpose now. 
What is your purpose now? Like, what is it that your soul must, must want now? This is what you have to do. Yeah. Uh, and for all of us, it's for some people, like sports guys, they're, you know, play soccer and like Mbappé. I'm just thinking of this young Mbappé guy, who, you know, the, yeah. the world French guy is amazing at soccer or Lionel Messi was, it's just, I mean, they, they were born to do that. Those guys, they've done that since they were, whatever, six years old, eight years old. They might do some other things like, like Zidane in soccer is becoming one of the best trainer of the world, right? He's a, he was one of the world champion soccer, the French soccer player. And now he's becoming one of the top trainer in the world. I think he's, yeah. I think he's worked for Barcelona or some club in Spain. Um, so he's got two purposes. He was one of the best soccer players. Now he's becoming the best trainer. But it's very exceptional. Usually a football player or best trainer, very few guys have yeah. done the two. Very few. Um, and just to accept your purpose now. What is your purpose now in next or next year? And it might not change and it's fine. And it might my my keep changing and it's fine to authenticity is to say it's it's to say keep saying yes to how you want to show up to the world yeah that makes sense and i my own experience with doing self-work is the is it means that my my value set change the more i work on myself the more i tend to shift my values change i noticed that certain things were driven by something in my childhood i resolve that i'm not driven in that direction anymore so part of doing self-work is very often what emerges is oh, okay i need to take a new direction a new purpose this is this is who i am now this is what i need to be doing in the world and the river right the river yeah the river is a really good metaphor right where, where's the where is just gonna the boat just gonna go and you're not gonna go against the current don't yeah. go against the current unless you're forced to i mean sometime you we forced to to accomplish something you you go against the current for like a very limited period of time, but tell yourself it's okay, right? It's okay to go against the current for just a limited period of time. Not everything needs to be roses, but most things need to be in the flow. Most yeah. things. And, and if you don't, then you it's the burnout or you diseases and you know all the burnout, depression. You know, depression is usually the the pressure is too much, right? Pressure pressure is too much, then you just you know, it's very different from burnout. The, 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 the burnout, you might still have some desire. The depression, you have no desire. Like, yeah. you don't see the point of talking to someone, doing any kind of job. Why going outside? The world is so fucked. You, you, don't, you don't see the... But burnout, there's some people, they just they have no more energy. They drain. They use their energy in a wrong way. And they should not feel guilty about. This is just what happened. They should just... Take it as a okay. It's a way to let's let's see where I'm at and what's important to me, and and I can still be conscientious, but in what matters to me. We have a class of a burnout prevention on our on our personal growth platform, uh, and the woman was a former who teaches is the former human resource director. <laughs> She's just. She just could not take it. At some point, she was so conscientious. So, and she just, you know, fell like most. I mean, her body, like most burnout, right? just could not get up, could not do. She was forced to see reality. But if she backtracked, she, there were so many signs 
but they don't want to see they just say ah dismissed dismiss the sign we know right and when you're aware when you've done so much work on yourself you see the sign you yeah. see your gas tank going low you stop the car you stop your life you and if you have to to cancel all your meetings in the next few hours you cancel them the world's going to go on without you right right i think once we all we understand also that no matter what we do the world's going to go on i mean i'm a, even as a coach or keynote speaker or entrepreneur people can replace me i'm i think i'm quite good in any of those three areas but i'm replaceable i'm good at what i do but i'm replaceable and do what i can no, the world's going to conform. If for some reason, you know, I have to cancel the, I canceled once a keynote. Great keynote. It was supposed to be in a, in Darla. Darla is a, one of the kite surf uh, heaven of the world in uh, north of Morocco. Okay. Amazing place. It was supposed to be with five top, 500 global entrepreneurs from Europe gathering together and I was going to be the top speaker. So it would have been an amazing experience. And I wanted to learn kite surf, gorgeous place. I would have get, you know, on the top of a paycheck, I would have gained so much client. Now the day before my dad uh, was admitted to a hospital. And the reason I came to France is my dad is Alzheimer. Okay. He had a new prime sort of mini stroke. Now I can't, I mean, at least he was alive. My dad was alive, but now I'm not going to go tomorrow. I'm like, what do you mean? We, you, you're supposed to be the keynote speaker. I'm, so, I'm sorry, I need to be next to my dad now. I would have, I, I knew he was out of, uh, he was going to survive that one. I just could not see myself talking and inspiring the next day people in a, you know, few hundred kilometers from my home. There was no way. Even though that was an amazing experience to live, um, yeah, but it's okay. I I choose the right thing in the in the right moment, and I don't regret. I said sad, but I've no. I did the the right amount of thing in the amount of time I have being who I am with my own values. Yeah, it's my dad. I need to be. In, I want him to see me next day at hospital. You know, most likely he's going to survive, but I, it's, and I'm too sad. I'm just so, uh, I would not give a good keynote. I would not, uh, I would have probably not performed well. Some guy not highly sensitive like me. I've know, I've heard of artists. I know of one artist in France, Serge Lama, singer. I don't think he's known in the UK, mm -hmm. but I heard that one time he had to sing and his dad just died two hours before the show, big show. And he said, I need to go on. And great. And maybe I would have done the, if it's two hours before, because the keynote and people are in the room, maybe I would have done the keynote. And the day before I would have, I would have canceled as a singer, but maybe he's in a different state or for him that was, he gets so much energy from the room that night. He, he could just transcend that thing, but we all different, right? Yeah, uh, and he did an amazing show. He didn't tell people. He, I don't want them to be feel sad for it. I just want them to give them the show they want. And then he grieved the next day, and then he took time off from the road. 
but he went on and just block of the the sadness uh, to, to give an amazing performance. We all different. We all have a yeah. We all have a different uh, way to to react to things, and we just have to accept when again the gas is is low. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Back to authenticity and being okay. honest with ourselves and yeah, having integrity about what our energy is and what we're capable of. Yeah. If you want to Google my talk on authenticity is a, the forum was global misc forum. Cause I don't think you can, if you type Google, my name plus authenticity, you're going to find it, but you just put a global misc forum M I S K. Yeah. Uh, plus my name. You're going to find my, my, my last keynote on, on that topic. And, and again, I say I changed many times career because my purpose had gone I mean, my, my, and it's fine. And it's fine. It's, I, I release whatever I had to release to, you know, some people say the goal of life is to heal. And I think it's partially true. It's just to heal. We all born yeah. with suffering and, it doesn't mean it's not happy life. I'm, I I talk on happiness and I love happiness and I love joy. Of course, I love pleasure. Yet, I'm aware of suffering and I'm aware I still need to heal. And I'm probably going to have to heal numbers of things until I die. Right? And, and it's just the way it is. You know, and again, it goes back to purpose, right? Purpose, find purpose and find joy. Find purpose, find joy. And it's not opposite. Is the part of joy in life, whatever you enjoy, and part, I think, of, of joy. Does everything yeah. make sense? Or? Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I absolutely buy that the healing. I mean, I think, I think healing is one of the most valuable things we can do, not just for ourselves, but for all of the future generations, all the generations back. I mean, healing is, and, and you, I don't know if you can get to authenticity without healing, right? I mean, I think part of developing authenticity is healing the parts of you which cause you to be inauthentic. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. The more you help, the more you be authentic. And also the more you are, you are authentic, you're forcing yourself to do something else, the more you heal too, right? You just, yeah. I don't know, it, I can't move to this country I want or it's too difficult. I have a wife and kid to move. and uh, Go find a way. Then you'll be more authentic, right? The environment will find... was difficult. I did it. And oh, all of a sudden, I breathe. I just, I'm at peace with myself. A little bit. More peace. It's just, uh, but yeah, you need to heal to be authentic. And the more you're authentic also, the more you heal. It's a fascinating journey, right? Yeah. It reminds me of like, uh self-development is easy you just have to do what's hard and i think yes. like right like that that being authentic sometimes is stealing yourself to say the thing you really want to say yeah there's healing in that there's growth in that uh and then it and then you've just broken through another barrier and now you're like a new plane of authenticity and the next opportunity will emerge to be to speak your truth at a different you, level uh, i don't know if you've read or heard about david goggins in us oh yeah the, the like the ultra marathon yeah so I say, keep it hard, man. Keep it hard. Keep it hard, right? Do hard things. I mean, he's a bit of, you know, he's, he's out there, but I love his, I love his, I love his book, and uh, uh, I love some of the things he says on Instagram. 
that's quite fascinating uh yeah it's you know i don't think you see him or wim hof you know wim hof yes yes the cold water guy yeah and he said why a cold shower in the morning it's not that it's just good for health immune system to have a cold shower and then all your blood get you know get you get sort of a you get out of just nice comfort zone of sleeping to okay wake up it's also because it's a hard thing yeah it's it's tough to get a really cold shower on your body in the morning it's tough but also your mind say okay life uh, and the day coming it's not going to be all roses again there's going to be some challenge but if you if it's the first thing you see when it wakes up but then you know it's the first thing you see but then after you take off the showers like, uh, you get off the shower and say wow it feels so good it's like okay bring it on yeah. right right I'm, I'm starting to do i was a uh, I, I went to see a, a, a physical therapist yesterday, some a small muscle block, and she told me to go back to plank. So now I decide a new routine where instead of doing crunches for my abs, I'm doing plank. And one of the first thing in the morning, and it's not, I, would, I was never doing crunch in the morning anyway for me, I would do that at night. But she said, no, no, don't do abs crunch. Anyway, do plank. And in the morning, it's a great way to wake up. It's a great, it's you, after your coffee or whatever your morning routine, not right away, of course, 20 minutes, you know, yeah. 20 minutes. And before, well, for me anyway, but watching any emails and, you know, I never look emails before I'm at least 30, 40 minutes awake, right? Never. And then, and then, but even before the emails, you start the day with blank. If it's one minute, it's one minute. <laughs> You can make it 10 minutes, it'd be great. But whatever, no matter how many, you start the day with, yeah, it's tough, but you feel good. You feel tense. Your 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 body just, okay, hot shower and plank. That's going to be my uh, recipe for 2023. <laughs> Cold shower awesome. and plank. Cold shower and plank. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like a recipe. Do you have a recipe in the morning? Do you have a routine? Do you have a ritual? Uh, yeah. So I uh, I meditate. I meditate every morning for 20 minutes. 20 minutes uh, yeah, I meditate twice a day for 20 minutes. That's been one of the most transformative uh, changes and in my, my made in the last few years. When is the other time? Is it midday or before sleeping? No, just, just before I sleep. Yeah, just before I sleep. And I do like a yang meditation in the morning. So I actually have an active meditation where I'm guided through it. And then in the evening, it's, oh. it's more uh, yin, right? I just let it go. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, I find that really deep. Yeah, and then um, and some form of exercise. And I, yeah, I, so this morning I cycled. So I'm in a co-working space. That was great. I had the yes. cold air in my face for like yes. thirty minute cycle. Yes. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's yoga. Sometimes it's weights. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, also we, doing this tuning fork thing, which is a lot of fun. So I don't know if you've come across tuning fork oh, healing, where you you oh. you take a tuning fork uh, and then you uh, place it on your on your on your body and i find that really 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 powerful it's like okay. you're it's, oh, yeah. it's literally like tuning your electromagnetic field um okay. yeah you. that makes I've, I've healed all kinds of niggles just just through sticking a tube like in my knees i just put really? my tuning fork on the knee like okay. consistently for a few days brought up some emotion there was obviously some block there and then it healed and yeah it was gone oh well uh, uh i'll try that as well I'm a- Raising kind of new uh, new experience to 
yeah to, to heal or perform better or which I think is just related to authenticity. I mean, I, I've done that in the gym. And I think part of authenticity is like learning to deal with strange looks, or like the reactions of others. And um, I'm going to do my tuning fork thing. And yeah, even if people are like, what's that guy doing? That's, uh, uh, yeah. Um, thanks. I'm just looking at the time. I'm gonna ah, to yes. Work. You need to go. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. I, I yeah, we're gonna have to okay. go. Well, uh, fascinating. Thank you for for the time. And I'm gonna also now listen to the podcast you've done uh, before and the next one. I'm gonna make sure everyone subscribe to your podcast. Uh, thank you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, and we'll put the we'll put the links to to your various products. So there's the stand up for passion. Yes. Um, for people who are interested in the platform you mentioned, just 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 give us the URL for that one. Uh, humanava h-u-m-a-n-a-v-a dot com humanava let's get that uh, we'll get that into the, the show notes we'll put the stand up for passion anywhere else you'd send people um, those who speak French it's uh, arnocollery.com my name okay. right yeah dot com that's only in French this one and uh, and then yeah you can watch my I guess TED Talk online. Yeah, and, and and I would recommend that. You you've got a ton of great great talks out there. It was uh, it was fantastic. I had a chance to listen to some of them before preparing for the show and yeah, thoroughly recommend those. Thank you. Good. Great. All right. I know you've got to run. Thanks yes. again. Thank you so much. Merci beaucoup. Merci à toi and uh, uh, magnifique. Merci. <laughs> and all uh, right. Can't can't wait uh, to to hear the the yeah, the feedback, if any, from the podcast. Yeah, yeah I'll, let, I'll let you know. All right. See you. Bye-bye. Bye. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.